Um, okay. This cool little nook. Yeah. Uh, I have already started. Welcome to another episode of The Artistic Director. I'm sitting here with Jay Flewelling. Jay, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's a wonderful morning. Uh, I'm happy to be sitting here. Excellent. So, can you give the listener who's not familiar with you a brief history of yourself in the theater slash improv world that led you to, uh, to you know, founding J names and doing all the things that you have done uh, in that in aforementioned world? Mm-hmm. Uh, nine years ago, I was an AmeriCorps member, and I was volunteering for a year. I had no time to do anything, and I remember I wanted to take a class, and... I just didn't have time to do it because I was uh, serving my country, serving Barack Obama nobly and honorably. And um, I told myself that when I was done, I was going to take a class. And when it was over, and I completed my 1,700 hours of service, don't be jealous, I signed <laughs> up for a class, level one, at Curious Comedy Theater, which was like barely a year old, and it was like... Just a wink in its father's eye as yeah. to what it would become. And, you know, there's only two other students in that class. Oh. Stacy Halau and some other lady was my teacher. And, uh, I mean, it was pretty rough. And uh, part of it being rough was, you know, I always wanted to be a performer. I always wanted to make people laugh and be on stage. And so when I signed up for this class, you know, there's, two, there's only two other students. And just yeah. like who I was, I was very much down the road in an improv journey than these people. And so it was like, I don't know, it, it was kind of like a dwarfed perception of like both of these people being like, why am I not that good? I'm like, everybody's, you know, that guy? Yeah, I don't know, you know, whatever. So there wasn't even a level two. I was asked to do level three. And then after that was over, I was asked to be a main stage player, and the rest is history. The rest is history. I stayed with it. I, you know, have learned a lot. I've failed a lot. And today, I feel really good about where I am in my career and what I've accomplished. Excellent. So the way that I start, the first question that I ask all of my guests is the same question, and it's a big, ambiguous question. So feel free to answer it in any way, shape, or form you want. Uh, but the question is simply, what is your artistic direction? I mean, I, I guess I just want quality. You know, I, 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 we all know, I mean, improv is my first love mm-hmm. and focus. And we all know when we are in the flow, like in the groove, we feel it, you know, and we're always trying to stay there or get into that flow faster or without resistance, without judgment. And, you know, I mean, it's just like the hardest thing to say. I mean, the hardest thing to do (laughs) is so easy to say, just like click in, you know, it's like, well, how and where do you find it? I mean, is it, we're training an instinct. Um, or like, why is it magical and why is it not? And how did it work? And you know, when did it? You know, when it doesn't, you're like, oh my god, this is the fucking worst. You know, <laughs> we feel when we're in the flow. We know when we're not. You know, this is on stage or watching improv. And you know, I mean, you can extend this to life as well. And so, I'm always looking for you know the good, the good improv, or like the good comedy. Yeah, is what it is. You know, and being a comedian, I've definitely done like weird acting gigs, you know, that exactly. you know, I'm asked to do things that I'm not training myself for. Like I'm not an actor. Yeah. I improvise act 
I mean, I mean, I'll give it a go. You know, I'll give it, I'll give it the old college try. But like one time I was doing a music video and they were like, just cry, man. Just cry like you're in an abusive relationship and just like let it go, man. And I was, I, I could not, I mean, I had these instant, like comedy, comedy, like punchline, punchline, you know, like, you know, and using my face and using my body and like to get laughs. And it was, it was the worst. I did not like it at all. Um, you, I really like the idea of you, you. It's interesting because most people, so most people, when I ask the question, the "What is your artistic direction?" question, they like pause and then they like say a really long thing. It's usually pretty amazing, uh, but you just said quality, and I like that. I like that it's just like very punctual. It's just like, "What is my artistic direction?" It is quality. How do you? You were talking about how you like can just see it sometimes, and you just know it. Um, what are like what are the defining factors of effective improvisers would you say it's another pretty oh um well defining factors of what makes somebody an improviser interesting to watch is usually just themselves and there's a lot of really great intrinsically interesting people in the world and improvisers included in them but more so it is the work like have you done the work like have you done the reps like mm-hmm. have you done this any discipline um you know t- it's ten thousand hours to master yeah. anything yeah. you know so like a glass blower never even like thinks about touching something you know i'm assuming for four at first you know i mean i don't know you know it's like to become a doctor to become a glass blower is the same amount of time yeah you know and even when you do it and you're like okay you're a glass blower you're a doctor like are you a good doctor like are you like really good at like making a create like thing you know i mean you're doing it sure but then like are you the next level so i'm just like trying to always push for that and a lot of people like will settle for just doing something yeah and if you're gonna do it like i want to do it to the highest quality that I'm able to do it, or it's not worth my time. Why do you think people set like I, I'm so intrigued by that? Like most, I think most people kind of settle for like a I'll say substandard ultimate quality of something. And like I have my theories, but like why, why do you think people do that? Why do you think most people ultimately are okay with like living at some weird like not excellent level of quality? Honestly, I don't know. Yeah, I. I I see people, I mean, just, like, little projects or, like, things that maybe, like, your theater was like, hey, we need you to help you out with, we need you to help us with this fundraiser, like, we're going to do this special event, we're, we need, you know, whatever, and if you're, like, asked to do that or you sign up to do it, um, my opinion is always, like, we'll be the best at it, you know, like, just... I mean, you signed up to do it, you know, and I mean, there's situations where it's like, oh, well, this is just some shitty job, and like, you are only paying me for half of my attention, my time, or yeah. my energy. Like, I'm not like gonna break my back for you. But then there are times when I'm inspired by my boss, and I just want to work really hard, and I want to be the, you know, and most things in my life, like, I want it to be the, I mean, like, I'm always trying to be more French. <laughs> and like you know like one of their mottos is like have the best of everything in moderation kind of thing so like yeah. you know if you're hungry and you just need like a little snack well why wouldn't you have the freshest mm-hmm. plums with the best cheese you know and a little bit of ba- I mean like you know great you know why wouldn't you want like a nice blanket that you've cleaned and you got right you know that's kind of sort of another Japanese thing of like 
make the best fucking picnic so that when you pull it out, you know, the hours of work and the love that you put into your picnic and packaging it, making it super cute and fun and look yeah. nice, <laughs> you're reaping that reward. And yeah. so I, I guess that's something I just always knew from a child of like, if I work hard and if I like do this or if I think about the next extra steps, like I'm just ahead of the game. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. Most people are just like kind of stupid. <laughs> Or like they just you know like <clears throat> I grew up in the church and kind of early on I was like oh church is for most people because mm-hmm. most people aren't thinking about the things I'm thinking about like just major plot holes like you know I mean I was asking questions and thinking about things that I would say most dumb churchgoers don't even like. Doesn't cross their it mind. doesn't cross their mind, or if it does, it's like they're thirty five, and it was a moment, and then they're like, "No, I'm fine," you know, like, then <laughs> they just go right back to like shopping. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that mindset, the, not the church mindset, but kind of the church mindset, uh, is the reason I want to talk about J names and how J names got started because I didn't know how J names got started, mm-hmm. and then I learned it was like. Can you just talk about how J names got started? I guess. totally. Yeah. I will talk about J names yeah. all day because yeah. <laughs> I am in love with J names. Uh, I wanted to, you know, I produced this cage match show at my theater, and if you you go up against another improv group and you each do a set, and if somebody whoever the audience votes and whoever wins, like, will come back for like the next week and week and week and week, and so. I just started this trio, and it was just me and Jake Michaels, my hero, and Jen Hunter, my shiro. <laughs> and I mean, these are just like amazing people, yeah. amazing improvisers that I have always respected. Yeah, and they're just, both great. They're both they're very just great powerhouse. And you know, if we want to talk about ten thousand hours, like both of them, like have ten years on me as far as like improv goes. And so I just, I've you know, I mean. If you're going to be a better player, you got to play with a better player. And so I started this little trio. It was just like a nothing trio of like, oh, let's do this thing. Let's compete. But then we won, of course. And we just like kept winning, kept winning. And then like, you know, Jen would go out of town. I would do a duo with Jake and it would just be like transcendent. And the same thing, like Jake was out of town, you know. And I, but then like, you know, just killing it. And I was like, oh, well, you know, Jed has a J name, you know, like so does Janet. Oh, Jess Lee and like John Brain, like I mean, all these, you know. And I was like, oh my gosh, like there's all these like really, really good, like top, the like, top ten improvisers of Portland just kind of all happen to have a J name. Cool. And so I just started asking these J namers, and they were like, yeah, let's do it. And I think a lot of them were like, oh yeah, I'll try it out, whatever. And then when they do it, they really kind of fall in love with it, or. It's a, like the quality is very apparent very fast. Yeah. And so like I've had, um, you know, I mean yourself and like Jessica RJ were like, you know, like, you know, J names came somewhere, you know, like we, you know, we went to Austin, Texas and I like kind of knew Jessica and I was like, just jumping on this set. And she's like, okay, whatever, fuck it. It doesn't matter. But then like once she's there and it's like, oh, this person, this person, this person, this chemistry, this group thing, um, like the fun and the focus that we're bringing to this thing. And it is on another shelf. And so then she was like, I'm a J name forever. And she's going to festivals with us and, like, has become, you know, a friend and, like, a friend of Portland and, like, how much she visits and performs here, which is really great. So that's how it started. And then once we had moved on beyond that cage match show, 
I started producing our own shows. We started at the Brody, and then we moved through the Siren, and we found our home at Curious Comedy Theater, the yeah. greatest comedy theater in Portland, Oregon. And, you know, it's just been, it's just been like an awesome ride. And we also, you know, have gone to a lot of festivals and have been asked to be in festivals, and that's really wonderful. And I'm trying to, like, mine, mine the course. I'm just like, keep going to festivals, keep doing those things, because, yeah. like, maybe in four years we could be the headliners of the festival. You know, we just keep going, um, and I keep bringing amazing people together and them having a good time and a good set and a great show and like th that's all i have to do and yeah. like, it'll just run itself it can self-perpetuate that's really yeah yeah i guess it comes back to and this is like this is just i keep looping back to this idea because i'm curious i'm curious about it is like the curation of like legitimately talented people mm -hmm. because that's like a thing that you told me a while ago about like there's some improvisers it in Portland with J names, no offense to those improvisers, sorry, that have come to you and was like, when am I going to be in this mm -hmm, show? Like, mm -hmm. I, oh, and, and you're like, well, sorry. So, like, I guess can you, like, speak to, like, finding quality and ensuring quality can come together? I have, I just, you know, I don't know. It's like, I guess it's like when I really started to teach, uh, and I was always a teacher, like, I worked in education before, improv and you know like I'm, I'm good at instruction I'm good yeah. at explaining things but then I started to teach improv and then I really started to teach improv and you know looking at it as using the same skills that I've developed on stage off stage in watching and you know yeah. dissecting a scene and giving these players with it you know so once that really started happening for me I just I mean I could just see people at improvisers especially <laughs> that you know, they got it or they don't. You know, yeah. like, I just start to see their strengths and their weaknesses like really just quick. And when it comes to chemistry, which you is you can't write what down mm -hmm. what chemistry means in the improv world. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. It's a feeling. It's yeah. it's something that all improvisers know. I think that's my strength of just like I just know who will work and who will not. Like I just feel it. And like I just started this other group, Tears in the Tar. And it's a totally different vibe. And like those, like it's just a trio. It'll stay a trio forever. Yeah. And, you know, we're trying to be like the Sunday service, our oh, wow. yeah. lords and saviors. Yeah, like, hallelujah. Oh, yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> Praise be their name forever. Um, so, like, yeah, I saw the Sunday service a year ago for the first time and, like, oh. immediately came home and started this group and was like, this, we're, we're trying to be like them. We never will, but we're trying. Yeah. And, um, it's a totally different chemistry and I knew like I was like okay me Dane it was just a duo it was like me and Dane and then it took us like a while and a couple shows and I was like me there's something missing and then I was like I saw Ethan or like Ethan popped into my head and I was like oh my god the three of us kooky zany fast fun like yes and so I just knew and it was funny because Dane Ian, he'd never met Ethan <laughs> until we were doing a show, wow. and I I'm not like against rehearsal, but I I don't rehearse most of the time. It's yeah. just like this is happening. It's improv. Yeah. It's improv. This is what you're gonna get. And, and but that goes back to my theory. It's like I know it's gonna be good. Like I know if I put this combination of people together, it is gonna be fucking awesome. Whereas like my home theater, like there's a pool of people, and it's just scheduled on availability. So like everybody in this pool of people is performance ready. Yeah. But, like, is the chemistry between player A, B, C, you know, like, 
Yeah. Do you, do you Not think, all the time. Do you think theaters should do that? Because I have never encountered an improv theater that, like, casts based on, like, it's just, it is just availability and who's been who's been coming to rehearsal and who's been who's played a lot and then you just try to even it out sort of randomly i don't think that's very smart yeah yeah i don't think that would be a good idea but but. i mean i never want to own a theater so i mean and it's like i i run two improv groups and we one of them a founding principle of that group is that we do not rehearse yeah that's we do not (laughs) we don't believe in it because it's just at some point you know that's a veteran that's a veteran that's a veteran like we're we know what we're doing and like to rehearse is redundant yeah this is a necessary Mm -hmm. like and and most of the time it's like all of these veterans like they have things to do and so like they're not going to come to the rehearsal and then you're like okay what about um tuesday at 10 45 at you know, the old garage in Mississippi. And I'm like, no, okay, well, okay. Uh, what about Sunday at, at 3 o'clock, you know, yeah. 3 to 4.15. Can we do that, everybody? Okay, <laughs> great, cool, no, oh, dang, try, yeah. we can't make it. And so it's like, just fucking forget it. Or like, if, and then like the worst is, is like, well, like, three out of the five people made it. Let's just do it anyways, oh, yeah. three people. And you're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's also interesting because I think, a trend that I've seen is like the higher quality people in improv are engaged in a lot of other things, and I think that's. I, I guess the question that I want to spin is like, if you, if what advice would you give to the improviser that's like, kind of doing a self check in and hopefully aware enough where it's like, oh, I'm not at the quality, I'm not at a high enough quality for my own like good. I guess what what advice would you give to those people who like find themselves at this kind of like locking out point? Oh, like they plateaued? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they, they, they want to be better. They want to be, like, considered, like, in a podcast, air quotes, a veteran. But, like, oh, um, I guess well, th- th- those are two different things. Mm-hmm. They want to get better. Forget the veteran. They want to get better? I mean, yeah. we all have yeah. plateaus. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it, and it's like that in any discipline. Like, I remember my Tai Chi teacher was like, "There's, it's a ladder and there's never a top. Yeah. Like, <laughs> as soon as you think it's a top, like, you, you have made a misstep yeah and uh, he would talk about like climbing the ladder in his tai chi practice and then like oh man I, i'm i'm oh i really like it up here i made it up here um i'm just gonna like build a little deck yeah. here and uh, i just want to hang out here for a little while and then like you get on you make a deck and then oh, well i mean it's so nice up here i might as well make a bigger deck and so then he would just make this big deck and he's like oh i would just make a you know, like you know, the biggest deck, and your deck gets so big that you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm at the top. Yeah. And then he would do something, or he, his master, like he would only see his master once a year when they, when he would come in from China, and his master would just like fuck his deck up and just be like, <laughs> yeah. nope, you know. And then he had to get into a practice. I mean, this is like thirty years at the time. Of he would start to recognize. Oh my god, I'm building a deck again. No, and then he would have to dismantle the deck, get back on the ladder, cool. accept that you know, there is no top. He's not at the top. And that's very similar to what I have had. And I see it in other improvisers. Like a lot of times I'm like, you know, like four years, four year old Jay thought he was the shit, you know, 
and would say and do things that were so arrogant, so stupid, <laughs> that eight-year Jay looks back and I was like, no, you weren't. Yeah. Like, eight-year yeah. Jay is so much better than you. And <laughs> so I would think I was, like, so good. Or the people that were in Portland, I would be like, oh, okay, like, I'm just, like, right under them. on Like, the, the best person in Portland is just a couple rungs on that ladder higher than me. I'm like, oh, okay, like, I'll be there in, like, six months. Yeah. And then I went to New Orleans, and I saw Susan Messing and her duo partner. And it was, I was, it was, like, deck, ladder, fucking exploded. Like, I fell. <laughs> it was like, oh, my God. I, I'm not near the ceiling. The ceiling is a skyscraper. Yeah. I had, like, I was like, oh, my God, Susan Messing is so... That's the ceiling. Yeah. And it was the same thing with, like, the Sunday service or and, yeah. uh, Orange Tuxedo, Carlo yeah, Kukowski, Kai Kukowski, like, uh, the Chicago Improvised Shakespeare Company. That's That was one of those moments yeah. for me also. Right? Yeah. Just like, like, oh, the sky is the limit. And I, like, there's been a few moments where I've, like, seen a show and I've been like, I could not do that if I was mm-hmm. called to do it right mm-hmm. now. And a lot of times it's like, okay, if like they needed like a random person, I would be comfortable pretty much blind jumping up and just going for it. But yeah, that was one of those moments where I was like, this is on another motherfucking mm-hmm. level. And it's like, mm-hmm. those moments are really healthy. They're great because yeah. then they make you strive. And then well, you if can... nobody, they're humbling. And if you're not yeah. being humbled on the reg... Yeah. Then you're not challenging yourself, and you've just built a giant deck. Yeah, yeah. you're just like hanging out <laughs> yeah. on that deck, and that's you know, so so something you know, that happens unconsciously. Yeah, and, to everyone. And to get back yeah. to like, why do people settle for whatever? I mean, it's like you can build a really nice deck, high up too. You can, high, yeah, you know, you, high, yeah. low, mid level, yeah. even high, you know, high, you know, like, and just stay there. You know, that could be good for you. Yeah, and, and that's not wrong. Yeah. Um, but when pursuing an art form, like, and most things, like my life, my house, my communication, my friends, like, I just am always searching for quality. Yeah. Like, and so um, <clears throat> I think complacency, like, is just, I mean, it's just part of life. It's, yeah. You know, it's just part of people. It happens when it becomes regular, it becomes terrible, though. Like, I think I, when you just, like, flatline. Like, mm-hmm. kind of, I don't, but improvisers. I mean, improvisers know it a lot faster than most people, I think. I definitely... And they definitely talk about it, about, like, oh, I've plateaued, or, like, I just need to shake it up or something. Um, The big shake-ups for me was, um, you know, like, about three or four years in, I was cast in, like, a power group. Mm -hmm. And everyone was better than me, and our coach was John Breen, and it was weekly rehearsals, and it was the first time that I was, like getting harsh awesome amazing notes yeah. with no apologies no like nothing offensive but like um it, it the, i remember my first thing was like hey you know whenever you know you do like an an exercise and a thing and everybody yay He's like just don't do that let's just not let's not we don't need to cl- we're we're at the gym and i was like yeah we're at the gym we're all still fat you know, like why would you like just cut cut out the fake metals. Like I want to work. I want to sweat. I want to. And like, yeah. if I lift five hundred pounds in rehearsal and made to by my coach, then on stage I can smash fifty. Yeah, exactly. Easily. Exactly. So, yeah. So some people they want to connect with the joy of improv, but other like most improvisers who are like in it to win it. Like we know when we plateaued. We know when we need to find some things. So like when I got cast in that group and I was getting the I just went up a whole other level. Yeah. Couple years later, plateaued again, or it was like fizzling out, and then 
I don't remember what catalyst was the second thought, but I remember kind of having like two bumps in yeah. my like improv journey where I was like, boom, here I am. I want to talk about, speaking of things that like bump you, you mentioned right before we started recording that like you had this moment where you had your card read or something like that. Yes. And I want to, like you mentioned specifically that you want to talk about that. Yes. So like, I'm just curious like what that even is. So like, I have my cards read and I like guess. Just straight up tarot cards? Well, my friend, uh, yeah, she was like, read my cards, uh, tarot cards. And she did just like a very, like first she was like, what's your birthday? And like got some information and then was like, this is your tarot. This is who you are. And then she did a very small like reading after that. But like what my card was, uh, was I f- it was the chariot card. And I found it to be very close to home and very empowering because it was like, it's a chariot, a driver and a black and a white horse. And so she's like, this is kind of like, you know, you are the chariot driver. You are, you have a yin and yang, these opposing forces. Like you are rallying and harnessing opposing forces and driving that chariot to success. And I was like, oh my God, yes. (laughs) And it just, I mean, a thousand things were like, click, just like fell into place. And I had already kind of stood it, but like, Ever since then, I have I have to be the driver. If I'm not driving the chariot, I am in contention with okay. somebody who is. Yeah. And a lot of my failed projects in the beginning of my career, I was not the driver. I see. You know, and then here's another situation. So it's like when I was on that power group and my coach, like my coach was driving the team, he cast the team, he was scheduling shows, like he he was doing everything. And that was one driver. And then he was like, I'm done with this group. And so it was like, here you go, but you can still be a group. And then like four or five of us got into the chariot and we're trying to drive it. And it was just a bunch of bullshit. It's like in that situation, I can either be like, oh, there is the one chariot driver. I am the follower. I will follow all day long. But then if I'm driving the chariot, I can't, like, nobody can be in the chariot with me. It's the importance of singular leadership. I think it's, like, definitely important to have when when a group needs to make a decision. Because sometimes groups Mm -hmm. can't make decisions. Sometimes All the time. Opposing, yeah, like, very regularly. Or they just get caught in the weeds where it's like, well, hey, everybody, or just something, it's like, no. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) This is when we're doing it. You know, you know, this is what's happening. You need a the group needs to assemble under Mm -hmm. someone and trust them enough that when they say no, shut the fuck up, this is what we're doing. The group should at least in my opinion be able to say, like, okay, fine. We have like you are the leader of this group. You're the you're the driver of the chariot Mm -hmm. right now. Like, we're all we can all have our opinions, but we're inherently trusting you to drive this chariot. And so if you see a way to drive the chariot that I don't see, then I hope that I can just, like, let that down in my brain. But a lot of people have a really, really, really hard time with that. Yeah. True. And, I mean, I just want to point out that if you are driving the chariot well, yeah, you should. You would never have to say shut the fuck up. You That's know? true. Yeah. Uh, That's and especially true. if you are... I mean, with J Names in particular, like all of the people in J Names, it is an honor to play with them, yeah. and like it is an honor that they are giving their time and their talent. <laughs> they're really nice too. Yeah, they're, they're really great. nice, and so like I always have a mission of like they should want to do the show. All they have to do yep. is just show up and have a great time, yep. you know. And 
they soup I mean I've just proven it over and over and over again of like you know you can trust that you're gonna have a great time there's gonna be a packed audience and like the improv is gonna be like hopping yeah it's gonna be going off like a frog in a sock and so that's because I'm in the chariot and I'm just like making the decisions and everybody's just down to follow yeah and so that just that you know really like latching onto that has made me double down on my own instincts. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when you're talking about, you know, like, I just see that that, per- this, that, I just see it. That's part of it. It's like, no, like, I'm supposed to be driving this chariot. If I see this thing, then it's probably, like, it's right. Oh, my yeah. God, it's right. You know, like, I, I'm doubting my choices less and less. I see. As far as, like, this will work. Or it's like, I know it'll work. You know, and then like whereas before you know, you have too many people in the chariot thing, they're like, Well, how would we do this way? You know, that, yeah. that won't work. And it's like they don't know my brain or they don't know like exactly. they're they're not in my head and they don't know like just this like feeling of like of course that would work. Yeah, and they this have a beautiful thing. To give back to the podcast, this is an idea that I'm really interested in, is they have their own artistic directions that are dissimilar yeah. to you. Actually the chariot metaphor is great because that's kind of what an artistic director mm-hmm. does, right? They they assemble a bunch of separate opposing forces that have their own like I'm using my hands as visual metaphors but like one artistic director is like off the or one person's direction is this way and the other person's this way and another person's this way and you have to sort of clamp them all together so all of the directions are going in the same direction yeah oh yeah does that make sense yeah like okay um it's like that with films too I mean it's the same approach and it's a lot more independent um like I don't like the sound guy doesn't need to you know like you know all yeah. these things like there's a lot of producing things of just like I've got so many so many horses <laughs> and they all have to do something yeah. you know like and but we'll get there we will get there um, so we're right around the half hour and I um, yeah is there anything I like asking is there anything that you want to talk about that we haven't talked about yet and I can think of a, a thing that's primarily in, influencing your life right now or it's like a big deal in your life oh yes <laughs> Yes. Ask away interviewer. How is... So, okay, just to give the listener context, you have a book and a show that are going up simultaneously. Yes. Um, Can you... How is that whole process been? Like, that's... It was monumental. (laughs) Just go. (laughs) I... You know, I mean, I've done improv forever, but then I started doing storytelling shows, and I would just get the theme of the, you know, the open mic storytelling, and... Rack my brain for a good story, go up there, kill it, and I'm like, oh, it's a pretty good story. And I would just kind of write it up. And so, four or five years later, I had like a lot of stories written down poorly. And um, I also had my first one man show, which was a storytelling show. And and I just was like, you know, I should put this all together into a book, like a David Sedaris kind of book. How yeah. cool would that be? And, I love um, David Stairs. So I know. Yeah, who doesn't? And yeah, so right. then like and then I was like, oh well, I'll do a show, and then it'll be this whole thing, and then I was uh kind of working on it and I wanted to get this grant and I applied for it and I got denied. And then I next year I was like, so I held off and I was like, oh I'll just wait another year, I'll fix my grant application and like I'll get it. Of course I'll get it. I did not get it. Fuck you, Rack. But <laughs> whoever was on that panel. Uh and so then I was like, forget it. I'm just gonna do it myself. Yeah. And I had was very diligent, and I saved a bunch of money, and some people gave me generously gave me some money, and it's like I'm just gonna do this myself. 
And I serendipitously sat next to a woman who I went to high school with, but we weren't friends, but we were mutual friends with somebody who was getting married. And then we were put together at the high school table and sat next to each other. And her passion, like her thing, which is insane to me, is editing content for grammar and structure of story. Like that's she, that's like, I'm so passionate. I wish I could quit my job to edit people's grammar mistakes. I'm like, that sounds like hell to me, but yeah. I, I have horrible spelling and grammar and great content. We're supposed to be friends. And we've just been working together for a year and a half now and finished the book. Like it's about to be printed within days from now. I'm so excited. Yeah, whoa. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is, so I have a substantial backlog. So this episode is going to be going out mm-hmm. I, after the book and the show is done. Oh, so, so go buy it. Yeah. Whoever's <laughs> listening to this, go buy it. Please underestimateme.com. Yeah. That's, um, because you can also buy the audiobook. Oh. Yeah. And then, so what was the decision? I mean, I, I kind of know because you're a performer, but what was the decision to pair a show with the book? Like, why did that happen? Oh, um, well, because, I mean, most of these stories started as performance. Okay. And they're super fun. And I, I wanted to do not just a storytelling one-person show, um, just me and telling a story. Um, cool. But that's what I did with my first one-man show, Work Schmirk. This one, I wanted it to be theatrical. I wanted there to be an ensemble of actors, and I wanted it to be... A, you know, really, you know, fast and tight, like costume changes and entrances yeah. and exits and like all the bells and whistles that like I'm telling a story and then it like comes to life around me visually. And then if like there's other characters and they can, the actors can voice those characters. And I just thought it would just be so cool. And it's something I've kind of been thinking about my whole life. And it's coming to fruition. Yeah, and it's very, nice. very exciting. Nice. So that's, did you, so, so when you made the book, so, so you're doing the storytelling open mic, you'd kill. Mm-hmm. You'd write down the story. You'd kind of like be like, okay, I should jot this down. And then mm-hmm. did you just have like... Just so had it. You eventually just had I a just had of- like a bunch of riffraff, you cool. know, and then I had my one person show script. And then I did a moth thing. And then one guy, he was like a, he's a journalist, kind of hotshot journalist, kind of came up to me. I didn't know who he was or whatever. And he was like, hey, I'm Todd. And, you know, your story, I mean, that was like the coolest story I think I've ever heard of the moth. And I was like, Whoa. oh my God, thank That's, you. And the moth is like a big deal. Yeah, yeah, you know, and he, he's a right, he was like, he, I would always see him there at these moth things. And uh, he was like, I'm a journalist. Uh, can I, you know, do you ever write your stories down? And I was like, yes, I do. And he was like, oh my God, like, can I publish that story? Do you have that story written down? And I was like, I will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he, loved it he published it he has been a champion of mine ever since then he's a really great guy and um but like in that moment i was like oh my god you know like what i am doing is something that people want yeah are interested they're interested in it and that story that he published one is going to be in my book cool and two is Sort of a flagship chapter of like, you know, it's on the press packet. Like, it's something that, like, you know, it, it is in the li- it's in the live show as well. So it's yeah. like, you know, three years ago when that was happening, like, boom, now today, like, that's like a big, big story in the book, in the show. Like, it's all, it's all coming together. 
That's very, very cool. And then what I, I, I was just about to ask you, what days are they going up? But that won't matter for in pod, no, in podcast. World. No, it's already happened or it's happening now. Yeah, that's yeah. So what did you think? Since it's already happened, what did you think of the show? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the standing ovations, the roses, yeah. the key from the mayor. <laughs> oh, my God. The Medal of Honor from Kate Brown, the governor of Oregon. Ugh. Yeah. Um, any last things that you want to discuss? I kind of stole that from, I stole that question from you. It's like, do you want to talk about anything? I want to talk about something, your book. Uh, um, I want you to ask me a question that's not comedy related hmm. at all. Hmm. That's, okay, you're putting me on the spot. Well, because sometimes I, yeah. like, get so sick of talking about comedy. Yeah. Uh, and, hmm. Hmm. See, every question that I have is kind of like, I guess it's not comedy related, but it can be like interpreted specifically to you through the veil of comedy. And because one of the ideas that I'm very interested in is um, on a previous interview, I had a guest who said uh, she's like when I, when I'm leading, I'm creating an ecology, uh, which is like she's creating an ecosystem of people together. This is a, like chemistry. This is mm-hmm. sort of like talking about chemistry. And I guess I'm just I'm intrigued by that action. And we've already talked about it a little bit. So I'm sort of just like rambling into a question that you put me on the spot to, but it's like, I guess what I, what I'm interested in is when you bring people together, you have to ensure that there's like a, um, for lack of a better term, like harmonious, mm-hmm. uh, uh, set of people together. Mm-hmm. Like they can't, they, there can't be tension. There can't, and if there is tension, then it will like slowly become worse and worse over time until the group fractures and can't function as well as it could. Uh, I guess the the question that i have now is that how do you ensure when you're bringing a group of people together that they remain harmonious and together and there's not there's not how do you quash that tension before it gets to something that can actually disrupt the group that's still kind of comedy related it totally is yeah but i'll accept it um well i heard a quote that was like every movie or like every like sort of like entertaining thing it's 90 percent casting Okay, yeah, yep, that's, I, I've heard about that too. Yeah, um, so, as far as, like, how do I keep something going, I mean, like, this hump film that I'm just oh, yeah, about yeah. to Let's wrap Let's talk on. about the hump film, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, because, you know, I'm an award-winning filmmaker, and, <laughs> uh, I just, you know, this latest film, somebody else was gonna, like, edit it, and it was this whole thing, and then when I was, like given like a status report or like a rough cut I mean it was just miles away from where it needed to be and I was like oh okay that's duh Jay duh like you have to be in the room in you know you have to be in it like if you're and that's with anything so a lot of times things that I create if I like take a break from it or if I you know like oh this will sort itself out or like you know hopefully everybody will just like get together on their own for rehearsal you know whatever whatever it is if i'm not doing it it's not happening yeah i have to foster i have to give my energy to something and it's very clear when somebody is like present and giving of themselves to something yeah and it's very clear when they're not and when they're not then nobody like if if the leader or one person one link in the chain doesn't give a shit why should I give a shit? Yeah. But if the leader is working the hardest 
and like setting you up for success and like thinking about things that you don't you know like oh, I did this for you I did this there here's some drinks here's some things boom 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 you know like no. wow I want to be here I want to be a part of this yeah. this is something special this is something different yeah and I I've, I'm I'm careful with what I invest in and like the older I get the more I'm realizing the power of myself yeah. and my own magic and my own energy and you know it's not for sale i haven't had a day job you yeah. know in three years and like that that's another thing it's like you know my time is not for sale mm. to something that i don't give a shit about anymore and a lot of times it's kind of like how the world works is like i buy your talent or i buy your time yeah and I mean that's fine, you know. And I I still do things like that. Yeah, and I, you can still, but you have to give a shit about them. It's like, a, yeah, you yeah. know. And like I mean, like I work, I'm a cater waiter every once in a while, and my boss was somebody who I respected more than any boss I've ever had, and I wanted to work as hard as I could, and it was like the shittiest job. I mean, it's like something I don't care about because I'm seeing her yeah. setting me up for success and working harder than I will ever achieve. I mean, it's like I would never be able to catch up with this woman back. <laughs> and she worked there for 16 years and was just the most magical person. And she also was a supporter of my show. Thank you, Beth. And um, she retired. And so it's like there's a new boss and there's new things. And it's like I just, I, I, I'm noticing when I show up for a catering shift with this new guy and, you know, whatever... I don't care. <laughs> wow, that's that's I'm the just, power of I'm good a body. leadership. I'm just a body. It's really, the power of good leadership, right there. Yeah, us. yeah, that's because yeah. Th- there's the whole like there's the domino effect of why should I give a shit. I really like mm-hmm. that idea of like there's one weak link when they're like why should I give mm-hmm. a shit, and then everyone else is like well this person's not giving a shit, so why should I give a shit? And if there's a strong leader who's like a, putting a thousand percent of their energy into it. When someone doesn't give a shit, it's not why should I give a shit. It's like what's what mm-hmm. what's their deal? Like why aren't they giving I'm a really, shit? I'm really in tune to that, and like there's been projects and things, you know, because a lot of times as like comedians and actors, like we have to do things for free, or like we're doing things for our friends that like are for free, you know, whatever, and that's fine. And I was kind of in a situation where I was like just the biggest best person that this person was able to cast for this web series that she wanted to shoot and she didn't know what she was doing and like I was there and like you know and I, I just remember being in this room for this like for like we're supposed to be shooting something yeah. and it's totally not going to happen because this woman has done nothing yeah. right and she's got all these actors she doesn't know how to direct them she, you know like anything and um, I just remember being like oh I could do nothing if I do nothing right now today it, like it's just going to be a complete waste. But if I choose to kind of take over, bring some improv games into this shooting yeah. scene, like what she wanted to... I just took over. And I was yeah. like, all right, hey, we should do this. What about this idea? And she oh, yeah, let's try it. Boom, boom, boom. Two hours later, she had amazing footage for like an opening montage, which she wanted to make for the like, for the thing. And I leveled with her after that, because she was a journalist, and so like she wasn't going to pay me, but I was like, I want you to write an article about James. That's what I want. She was like, oh, well, no one's getting paid. And I was like, dude, I don't give a fuck. You know, like, let's yeah. think about yesterday. If I, hadn't t- like, if I hadn't done X, Y, and Z, what would you have? Like, you'd have nothing, right? Yeah. And she kind of was like, you're right. I don't know. And she, you know, <laughs> she didn't give me what I wanted. And so I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not in this web series anymore. Yeah. Take me out of that thing. <laughs> you cut me out. Yeah. And 
ask me if that web series even happened. Yeah, I, I did it. <laughs> nope! <laughs> I did it. Uh, okay, we're, we're right about the, at the end of time. If people are looking for you or your book or just J names or anything online, mm-hmm. you have plugs. Uh, well, people uh, can go. WWW. Well, this is the World Wide Web. I don't okay, know, yes. listeners. Yeah. <laughs> uh, com. Nice and simple. And Easy. Then they can find links to everything mm-hmm. yeah. from that. There's everything. There's Workshmark. There's the Please Underestimate Me, J Names. Perfect. Press. Um, and uh, I like to end with a final question. Can you give me one recommendation of anything at all? It could be a movie, a book, a quote, a way of life, um, thing to eat, anything. Uh, yes. Yeah. When you, you know, get an apartment or <laughs> whenever you find a place to live, um, or when you're done traveling, yeah. buy yourself a Tushy. A Tushy? A Tushy is an apparatus. Tushy is a company, but it's an apparatus that you put onto your Western-style toilet, and it turns it into a boudet. Yeah. And it's great. It's changed my life. <laughs> I will never go back. Jay, thanks for sitting down with me. It was you're really, so really a delightful. A delight. It was really a delightful. Mm-hmm. But... Um, you can find this podcast on Facebook and SoundCloud and iTunes. Listener, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have an excellent rest of your day. You too. Me or me too. Thank you. <laughs>